We haven't been we haven't been grocery shopping since the mask order came out. I went I went out yesterday to Walmart and this is uh, I parked where I usually parked to go in the main door. So I walked up to the door and it was a sign. Had to walk all the way back down. Oh wow. change it to the night. It feels to be cooler at night because uh, they'll get out there and ride their bikes and uh, and there's not as much sun, you know, no sun. The sun's kind of going down a little bit. We did that last night and the night before. <coughs> so we'll do that. We're going to do that tonight too, but, uh, but I think it kind of helps not having the sun directly on top of you when you're out there, out there in direct heat like that. For them, Genesis chapter 49. Genesis 49. Tonight, we're going to take a look at uh, the last meeting Joseph has with his father. It is at Joseph, it is at Jacob's bedside, but it is the last meeting that he will have with his father before his father passes away. So, as we've understood, uh, last week is uh, over 17 years or so past uh, that Jacob's been they are in his, uh, Egypt, and now we're coming to the place where he's on his he's on his deathbed, and he's given out he's given out blessings to every one of his children, all of his sons, and he's naming things that are good about them. He's naming things that are, that are not so good about them, and he goes through the sons, um, and I, I'm not going to read all of them because we're I mean we're specifically studying about Joseph, so uh, just kind of go through the Joseph. Uh, uh, what what he was told from his father there. So you got your Bibles open to Genesis chapter 49. Let's begin reading in verse number 1. Verse number 22 through 26 is the uh, blessing that he gives to Joseph. But I just want to uh, grab just a little bit here. In verse number 1, the Bible says, And Jacob called unto his sons and said, Gather yourselves together that I might tell you that which shall befall you in the last days. Gather yourselves together, and hear ye, sons of Jacob, and hearken unto Israel, your father. Now, verse number 3, verse number 4 is to Reuben. Uh, verse number 5, verse number 7, through verse number 7 is Simeon and Levi. Verse number 8 uh, through verse number 12 is to Judah. Judah being the, the, the heir uh, to, to the Lord Jesus Christ, the, the, the lineage of Jesus Christ, the Lion in the tribe of Judah uh, shall be raised up. And he kind of talks about that here in this text, what's going to come. Uh, in verse number 8 through 12 is most spoke about any child uh, outside of Joseph. Joseph and Judah had the most spoken about them. Verse number 13 is Zebulun. Verse number 14 and 15 is Issachar. Verse number 16 and 17, 18 is Dan. Uh, 19 and 20 is Gad. 21 is Naphtali. And then to Joseph, 
Joseph the son of Jacob. So let's read at the bedside what he tells him there in verse number 22 through verse number 26. Joseph is a fruitful bow, even a fruitful bow by a well, whose branches run over the wall. The archers have sorely grieved him and shot at him and hated him, but his bow, a bow in the strength and the arms of his hand, were made strong. By the hands of the mighty God of Jacob, from thence is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. Even by the God of the Father, of thy Father, who shall help thee, and by the Almighty, who shall bless thee with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lieth under earth, blessings of the breast and of the womb, blessings of thy Father have prevailed above the blessings of my progenitors unto the utmost bound of everlasting hills. They shall be on the head of Joseph and the crown of the feet of him that was separate from his brothers, brethren. So there he is. He gives the blessing to Joseph. Verse number 27, verse number 28 is to Benjamin, the last son. And then verse number 29 is he tells them the burial instructions in which we talked about last week that he gave to Joseph at his bedside, but he gives it to all the brethren at his bedside. Verse number 33, the Bible says, And when Jacob had made an end of the commanding his sons, he gathered up his feet into his bed and yielded up the goats and was gathered unto his people. So there he was. He was done speaking to his children. He got in the bed, covered his feet up, and died. So the last words he spoke to Joseph were these words, verse 22 through verse number 26. And I just take a few minutes here and give you a couple thoughts from here, the three thoughts here, the bow, the battle, and the blessings uh, that Joseph received from his father. Um, any thoughts or questions before we move on into the lesson? Verse number 22, let's look at number one, the bow. What does the bow mean? The bow actually means a branch of a tree. That's what that word means, a branch of a tree. So the Bible says, Jacob tells his son, verse number 22, Joseph is a fruitful branch of the tree. So he begins to tell him that his bow is fruitful. Even a bow by a well whose branches run over the wall. Uh, so here he is, this fruitful bow, he had what he was describing to him, this tree branch, which was very fruitful. Um, I have never raised, I've never had a fruit tree. You guys ever had a fruit tree in your yard? Have you had some that produce and some that didn't produce? What did you do with the ones that didn't produce? Let them grow and let them try again next year? Pears. Pears. Oh, I have a pear tree. 
I remember my grandma used to have an apple tree, uh, just a bunch of apple trees out there behind her house. Uh, and we'd go pick them when we was kids. Uh, anybody else? What'd you guys have? What'd you have? Persimmons and pecans. Persimmons and pecans. Fig tree. Fig tree? Did you, did you eat figs? Good? Fit? Yeah. Fig preserves. Yeah. But you know, you think about all those. Oh, yes, sir. Sorry. All right. Plantain tree in Cayman Islands. Plantain tree? Yeah. It produced plantains. It's like a big banana, but you fry them up. Oh, it's like a banana. It's not as sweet as a banana. Oh, okay. So it's a. No, it's a tree. It's a. Stock. Like a banana tree. Mangoes? I, you know, uh, there's some, when I, when, I, when I went out visiting people, there's some church, church members that have like lemon trees or orange trees and all that kind of stuff. So that's pretty neat. But as you, as you have these trees in your yard, you expect fruit. Then you want them to be fruitful. I mean, you don't grow a tree in your yard for it to grow nothing, right? Uh, that, you know, some trees, they get in the way. You have to have them cut down so they don't damage your house or damage the power lines and all these things. But ultimately, when, when you plant a fruit tree, you want what? You want fruit. And so when, when uh, of course, when, when you have children, that is the fruit of your womb, right? That's, that's a result of what God has given you. So you want your fruit to bear fruit, right? So here he is. Jacob looks at his son and says, you are a fruitful bow. He says, you have grown your tree branch that you've been given is beautiful. It's full of fruit. It's very fruitful. So what is the evidence of fruit? What is the evidence of being fruitful? Fruit, right? I mean, as you look at this, uh, when you go out to a fruit tree, you see fruit growing. That is evidence that that is that type of tree. Now, I'm not well-versed enough to go right down the road. I know some people are like, that's... That's that kind of tree, or that's that kind of tree. You can recognize a tree by the bark or by the tree leaves and things like that. But a lot of times, I don't, I won't recognize what it is until I see a little bit of fruit growing or something to recognize what's going on there. And so, as he looked at his son, he said, "You are a fruitful bow." He said, "You have grown fruit on your tree branch." What fruit do you think that Joseph displayed? For his dad to look at him and say, you're a fruitful bow. What is the greatest fruit that any of us can bear? Is the fruit of this, I'm sorry. His kids. His kids, yes. I would say, as spiritually speaking, physically speaking, your kids, right? But spiritually speaking, I would say fruit of the spirit. Now, do you think that Joseph showed the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Do you think? I would think that if you would go through all of those nine things, uh, you would see Joseph dis uh, showed that in his life. Loving his brothers when they weren't lovable. Having, uh, having uh, some patience and having some uh, self-control and all of those things are righteousness. All those things are all those fruit of the Spirit. I would say that you look at Joseph's life and say, yep, he had that. Right? I would. 
yourself on your uh, now look at yourself. Say, do I display the fruit of the Spirit? Because am I a Christian? I am supposed to bear the fruit of who? Who am I supposed to bear the fruit of? God? Right? So if I'm supposed to bear the fruit of God, so what, what is the fruit of God? What is the fruit of the Spirit? The love, the joy, the peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Those are, those are the fruits of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit. So what do we grow? What do we grow? On our tree. Good? I would like to say that we always grow good, right? <laughs> There's probably times that we don't always grow good. It's not always love and the joy and the peace and the long-suffering and the gentleness, all those things. But I, I, I think that he was telling him, spiritually, I think that he could have been talking physically as well. That God blessed him that way. But he was also, you think about the evidence of the fruit that God gave him. Where was Joseph at? Most people who, who, who would have been through what he would have been through would not be in the position in which Joseph is at. He was at the top. And he went through prison, selling. It was evident that God was with him. That fruit was strong. Um, any thoughts, questions? Okay. Look, look at that next phrase on there. Not only does it say the fruitful, the fruitful bow, but where does that fruit, even a fruitful bow by what? By a well. By a well. What does that mean? What does it mean that he he's a fruitful bow by a well? Every good fruit tree, every good garden has to have what? Water. Has to have water. And if you're not close enough to the water, what will happen to your... Brother Blackie, you're a, you grow a garden every year. What will happen if your garden goes a long time without water? Just like it is now, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> You've not been watering it? No. No. It's dead. It's dead. So what you're saying is if you don't have water to your uh, to your garden to die, your fruit, right? Your vegetables, what you're growing. Does it have to have a lot of water or just a little bit of water? It has to have some water. Some water. And every, and every plant's a little bit different, right? Some plants require a little bit more. Some plants require a little bit less. If you look at this, he says... That you are a fruitful bow by a well. It reminds me of a scripture in Psalms. And it says in verse chapter 1 and verse number 3, he says, And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. And that shall bring forth his fruit in his season. And his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. It immediately makes me think of that verse that God was demonstrating or God began to say, look, Joseph, because of who you are and because of the fruitful bow that you've produced, it's because you've gotten by the well. Now, who's the well? Who's the water? God. 
God is the well. God is the water source. God is the well. And so when Joseph needed that well, when Joseph needed that water, when Joseph was in slavery, when Joseph was in prison, when Joseph had been accused of rape, when Joseph was put in front of Pharaoh, what was his main concern? God. God. Look, when he went through temptation, do you know what, do you know what uh, Joseph said? Joseph said, uh, how, can I, how can I make this sin against God? That's what he said. How can I sin against God? When he was in prison and he was talking to the butler and the baker, he says this, interpretations belong to who? They belong to God. When he was before Pharaoh, he said, Pharaoh, God shall give Pharaoh peace. Who was, you see a central theme here? When he was before his brothers, he stood before his brothers. He said, God did send me here. He also said, God meant it for good. And then at his very last days, uh, when he was about to die, he said, God will visit you. You see the central theme that made him a fruitful bow was being by the well. And that well wasn't water. That well was God. And what will make us a fruitful bow, what will make us have the fruit of the Spirit is who? God will. So if we don't have the fruit of the Spirit, then where do we need to get to? We've got to get to the well. Now, do people, you know, you could go a couple days without water, right? Physically, you could. But literally, a people, you need water on a daily basis. They say to drink what? Eight? Eight, eight ounces of water a day, right? Something like that? Is that right? You know why? Because water is essential to your life. Water is essential to the tree's life. Water is essential to gardening. Water is essential to fruit. So if I want to be a fruit-bearing tree, what do I need to get? By the water. So let me ask you this. You guys help me out here. How can I get close to the water? Get close to God. Get close to God. All right? Now, how can I get close to God? Give me some ways that I can get close to God. The Bible. Number one. The Bible. How else can you get close to God? Do what? Preach the word to other people. Okay, preach the word to other people. How can I get close to God? Pray. Pray. All right? How else? How do you, the Bible says, or the uh, New Testament says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. So the closer you get to God, what's going to happen? You got, he's going to get closer to you. Uh, how else? What's another way you get closer to God? Obey his laws. Obey, obey his, his commandments. Obey, obey his, his laws and his commandments. What about meditation? Uh, Joshua 1.8 tells us to meditate on the Word of God. That's right. Now, how do you meditate on the Word of God? How does that take place? You go to the Bible and you start meditating what it, about what it says. And All right, so you take one verse and you think about it? That's right. I, I think that's true. I think one of the best ways to do your Bible study, everybody... Uh, everyone needs to...
with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. Every day with Jesus, I love him more and more. Jesus saves and keeps me, and he's the one I'm waiting for. Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. But how does it become sweeter? How does that water get better? How does it get better? Because you get closer and closer to God as you, every day. Every day. Every day. So, let me ask you this. And I don't want you to answer, but honestly, how much time do you spend on a daily basis with God? From from the time you pray, read your Bible, or whatever it is, you say, well, I begin my day with prayer, and I end it with prayer. What do you do in between? How much time do you spend with God every day? If we were to etch that out, I think it would really frighten us to see how much time we don't spend with God. Because what do we do? We have to. You wake up, um, say you wake up when the sun rises or you wake up when the sun is placed in the sky. Whichever one we see, right? But either way, you still have time. You still have the same amount of time. So no matter if you sleep 10 hours, if you sleep 8 hours, you still have 24 hours. So how much time do you devote to God every day? If we gave, if we gave God two minutes, we gave God if we gave God two minutes and 40 seconds, that would give God 1% of our day. Right? Right. Only 1%. Only 1%. So if you give God two minutes, two, two, 24 minutes, how long would that be? 1% would that be? How long would it take for you to get to 10% to give to God? 10%? would be two hours 20, and 40 minutes. Yeah, two hours. Now, yeah, 40 minutes. how much percentage do we give to God every day? I would say, me personally, I don't, I, I don't know that, um, that I do as much as I have to. You say, you don't? No, I don't. I have to spend more time in my Bible, more time praying to God, more time with God. But I think even meditation is, is as well as taking a verse and dissecting it, but I think it is as well as studying your Bible. He also tells us that's another way to get closer, in my opinion. The Bible says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that need not to be ashamed. So not only do you need to read your Bible, not only do you need to pray, but not only do you need to meditate, not only do you need to do those things to get closer to God, but you need to study His Word. What does it mean to study? That means to take a verse and explain that verse to me. Study that verse out. Yes, ma'am. Uh-huh. 
there's, there's good resources out there for you to study your Bible. And as a Christian, I need to study my Bible. Because just reading it at face value, it's not as deep. You will learn more if you will study it. Yes. What does that mean? What does that mean? How does that correlate? How does that verse connect to this verse? How, do, how does this chapter mean anything? Yes, ma'am. I, I truly believe the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. Hey, what do you mean by that? As the Bible says, line upon line, precept upon precept, here little, there little. That's, I mean, every verse of Scripture is there in there on purpose. And every one of them explain and teach us the same thing. And they are to help us. Brother Blank and I were talking a little bit before church. There are scriptures in the Bible that are deeper than, uh, than even we can even understand. And God has given us men of God who have come before us, who have written things for commentary use. I have uh, four or five different commentaries in my office that I use on a weekly basis. Not all four or five of them I use on a weekly basis, but I use commentary so I can... If I, there's a scripture that I'm, man, I, I need to understand that a little bit more. I need to study it out a little bit more. And so I'll crack open a book. But all that study takes what? Time. And sometimes we're not willing to part our ways with the time that we spend doing other things. Than the time that we spend with you God. Know, everything about life, anything you want to know about life is in that Bible. It's been experienced. It explains what's happening. Anything, anything, you know, you you bring up a subject, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, betrayal or anything like that or incest or anything like that. It's got all in the Bible. Everything. It does. It has those. You know, some people, well, I don't have incest because that's evil. Well, it does have incest. It's got everything. It's a book of life. It's the key to life. It is the key to life. Any other thoughts, questions? questions? They don't. They don't pull no punches. It's not. It's not. Uh, <laughs> just tell you just like it is. You're right. You're right. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Well, the other morning we were going to check. It was out there, and my son was getting some in the shed there. And he gets out of the sun. He doesn't take it when it gets hot. He leaves and comes back in the house. But he was out there, and uh, I went out there a while and sat down, and, and uh, he was listening to. Uh, says his word will never return void. We need to go back to the well. Go back to the well. 
that's where we got we got to get our source our source for our source for life our source for everything we do comes from that well and who's that well god is god is our well any any other thoughts or questions before we move on any other things that you do that you've seen that help you maybe studying or um, things that you saw that helped you pray in? I mean, thank anybody like that? Uh, maybe something that you use to help you get closer to God. Anybody? Yes, sir. Oh, I was reading this book called Spearhead. <clears throat> it's about uh, Patton's 3rd Armor Division mm -hmm. tankers that were going in first and meeting these tanks and stuff like that, getting into combat. And one of the guys was always praying all the time. And uh, and one of the guys asked him, what are you praying all the time for? And he says, because God wants me to pray. And he says, does God want you to kill Germans? Now, the guy didn't have an answer, but I would have told him to study the Bible, I would have had an answer. No, the guy apparently wasn't studying. But if he had studied the Bible, he would know the answer why he was killing Germans. You know, and that, that you know, that point right there. Well, the Bible he helps us. His people. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's why he was killing Germans. <laughs> the Bible gives us answers. The and then the Germans said, y'all don't want to fight, but you're slaughtering us. <laughs> that's what they had a German point of view of this, uh, of this battle, too. Yeah. These tank commanders and and uh, at the end of the book, it's really nice because the one of the commanders on the uh, one of the tanks uh, met with the one that was facing him. <laughs> he, <laughs> American, blew the wall out underneath his tank, and his tank got trapped, and he took off running. You know, he and they they gave the guy a hard time because why'd you run? You should have stayed and fought. He says, "What am I supposed to do? Go tell the Americans stop firing?" <laughs> While I clear my gun, <laughs> and it was like, and they all they met and they met in Germany, and they got to be very good friends. Huh. And uh, <laughs> the the guy that shot the ball out from underneath the German said, "I'm sorry about that." <laughs> he said, "That's war," <laughs> but he was a prisoner of war the uh, rest of the war. After that, he was captured by Americans. It was a very interesting book. Yes. But that, that question came up to me when he asked, well, does a God want you to kill Germans? Yeah. Well, well I mean, right you know, as you look at, as look at the Bible, God says that he is, he is a God of war. But also know this, that God, um, there are things that take place um, that God allows to happen. Uh, wars and such, like, such things like that. The protection of God's people. Um, and, and you know, mm -hmm. God God protects His people. If I mean, you look through the First Kings and Second Kings. I mean, all of First Samuel, they're filled with battles, filled with protecting God's people. Joshua marched his children, the children of Israel, into lands, and they fought to protect who God's people. And so, when God's people are under attack, God's people uh, don't need to stand back and let things happen. But ultimately. We've got to get back to that well, and we need to draw from that well, um, and that well being God's word, God's uh, who God is. Um, it is important that we spend time with that, spend time at the well, 
Because if, if look, just for instance, if I, I being the pastor, my job is to bring bring you guys food every day, every week, right? And if I don't go to the well, then I can't bring food. Does that make sense? That's right. And if you look, and just just out of because uh, you, if you if you are giving something, you've got to go to the well. You know, you we do have a couple Sunday school teachers. You guys, you guys got to go to the well because you want you got to bring something. Because if you don't go to the well, you can't bring anything. You can't bring anything if you've not been to the well. You're not bringing any food, no substance. And it's important that as a preacher, it's important as a Christian that I go to the well because if you are living off of just the food that's given at church, you're going to be starving and you're not going to get enough because you need it. On a daily basis, you need to go to that well for yourself and not depend on the preacher to have to give it to you. Does that make sense? Yes, sir. Well, you've got to know what the preacher's talking about. Right. Right. Or if he knows what he's talking about. That's right. Well, I mean, you, you, you go out and you study me out. Hey, if I, if I say something, you say, well, I don't think that's, that's right. I mean, you, you, you do that. Don't believe me, hook, line, and sinker, okay? You go home and study it out. Make sure that I'm telling you the truth. I, I'm being honest. Don't, don't do that with any preacher that you've ever heard. Well, hey, well, a preacher said it must be true. No, that's not true. I've heard a lot of preachers say a lot of false things that uh, don't line up with the Bible. Take it home. Go look it up. Yes, ma'am. They do. They do. But they have some bad ones on there too. I know, I know, I know. Send me your money and I'll give you I'll give you a blessing. Now come on. I'll give you I'll give you some some water out of a jug. I mean that that kind of stuff is is garbage. There, I mean, I'm not trying to call anybody out, but that stuff is not Bible. No. It's not Bible. Bro Blackie, you want to say something? You know, whenever I study Brother Trenton, I, I use the computer and everything. Yes, sir. Right. Bible sites and everything. And I look up the definition of words, what it says, if I don't understand that word, what it means and everything, I, I, I do that. And I read some commentaries also and study. But if, if, if I read a commentary that doesn't it doesn't have any scripture references, then it's just a man's opinion. Right. Right. And I don't I don't believe that because I mean, anybody can say anything. Right. But if you read a commentary and everything, it has a reference, biblical reference to what he's talking about. Right. Then he knows what he's Then he's backing up what he's saying with, with the reference to the scripture. Bible and, you know. and you can't believe every commentary that you're going to pick up. No. Because there are men, and look, they're men at best. And even the best of men, even men that we look back to and say, man, they were great preachers back then. They still had errors where they didn't believe the right way. I mean, even go back to Martin Luther of the of the uh, the Reformation time. He still baptized babies all the way to the end of his days. It is not biblical to do that, but he That's continued right. to do it. But he is a man that we look back to, Martin Luther, that started the the Protestant Reformation and all these things that took place. But you see, you have to go back to what. The source. I like to use a Webster's 1828 dictionary, the best dictionary. And why do I use that? Is because it is going to get me closest 
to the definition of that word right there. You pull up a Webster's Dictionary today, it's going to be our language today. The Bible that we use, the Bible that I use, the King James Bible, was translated in 1611. And so the, some of those words that, they, that the 1611 used are not words that we use today. And so using a 1828 Webster's Dictionary helps me sometimes to understand a word that we don't use in, our, in ours today. But I, use, I, have a, I have an app on my phone that I use, which is nice because the Webster's 1828 Dictionary can be very expensive. But all of that, you need to study your Bible. You need to go back to the well. Joseph was a fruitful bow because of him spending time at the well. I'm going to tell you this. He would have never made it through being a prisoner. He would have never made it through being a slave. He would have never been made it through being accused of his, brother, his brothers hating him and despising him unless he was at the well. And the trials and the temptations and the tribulations that you experience in your life, you'll never get through them unless you're at the well. It won't happen. It won't happen unless you're at the well. Because what does that well give you? What does water do for you when you're thirsty? It gives you life. It gives you refreshment. How nice it is to sit down in your chair after you've been in the hot sun and take an ice cold cup of water. I like to have an ice cold. I like to pull out a bottle of water cold out of the fridge and pour it on the ice, make it even colder. And cool it when I've been hot. But water's a refreshment. That well, going back to God, is refreshing. And if you do that on a daily basis, it will help you so closer to the well. Any other thoughts? We spent all night on point number one. We didn't even move off point number one. Yes, sir. You know, Brother Frank, uh, Joseph would have had all the right to be very upset and everything about his life. Yeah. Very, very bitter right. everything about what he went through and everything, but yet he never did. You know, he forgave his Jesus, you know, whenever he oh, went yeah. on the cross, what did he tell? Uh, what did he tell God? He said, "God, forgive." forgive. They don't know what they're doing. That's right. That's right. That's right. But I mean, even as you say that, and and the forgiveness and the bitterness, um, I've seen people go through less and be upset at God. And I don't. And it is so important that you rely on God. Because even when when Joseph was a slave, can you imagine being a slave? But can't, Joseph was a slave. Doing whatever his master told him to do. And the master's wife comes to him and says, sleep with me. And he says, God says no. Do you know what that means? That he was at the well when they threw him in the pit. And he stayed with God and walked with God all the way through every step of the way. 
Now, we'll all experience different things in our life, difficulties, good times. Um, sometimes it's at the hardest times of our life when we go to that well that it is the most refreshing. It is the most enjoyable. When you had a long dry spell and you had a rough time and that sweet time with God is just sweeter. Amen. Alright. I'm done. Any other thoughts? Or questions? Good. I want to be a fruitful bow. I want to be a fruitful tree. Joseph's, Joseph's dad said, you are a fruitful tree. You're a fruitful bow. You've been at the well. I would love God to say that about me. But I don't know about you. But I think I need to spend more time at the well. Let's pray. Lord, I love you. Thank you so much for tonight. Thank you for letting us gather together. I pray that you have used me in spite of me. Lord, I pray that I would get closer to the well. I'd spend more time at the well. Lord, I thank you for what you've done. Lord, I thank you for my salvation. Lord, I pray your hand about the rest of the week. Protection for all of our people. Pray for those that have the virus. I know there's many families that are affected by that today. I pray that your hand of mercy be on them. And we love you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.